I don't know about you guys, but that last song we sang, that when we sang it was my sin that held him there, oh my gosh, that just hit me all of a sudden. So I hope I can read this without crying. My name is Sherry Crawford, for those of you that do not know me. I'm married to Mike, and I've been a member of this church for a very long time. (laughs) I'm reading from Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Turn it over to Jim in just a second. There we go. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Jim in just a second. Um, We're going to give a little bit of a mission report about our time in El Salvador. So last week, Clark got to bring the word, and Jim and I got to be serving in um, El Salvador. And last week, I got to preach in a church in San Vicente, which was a lot of fun to get to do. Um, And anyway, I... My time in El Salvador, getting to spend time with these pastors and talk to them and hear their story, just made me realize how much I love you guys. Not, not that, no, no, not in contrast, in parallel, uh, because I, I got to see um, their, their church, the way they talked about their churches, see their, their churches, and it just made me appreciate who you guys are and how much I love you and, and uh, how much I enjoy getting to be your pastor, and I, uh, I just, I love Uh, being a part of this body of believers. So Jim is going to come, and he's going to talk a little bit about his experience, and then after Jim, I'll come back up. Well, a lot like Brandon, um, one of the things I've been reflecting on this weekend, uh, as far as Thanksgiving, is uh, Gene and I have been talking about just being thankful uh, to have the privilege to be part of the Jefferson Avenue uh, Baptist Church family, and um, it's a joy to, to serve with the leadership here and to serve this church family. We want to also say thank you for opening up your hearts uh, and lives to us. Um, another thing I've been thankful for is that uh, we've been able to uh, build up relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ in El Salvador for many, many years, and that this church would be open to consider sharing in some of those relationships and just seeking God as far as leadership and service in that area has been very, very special to us. And so thank you for that, and uh, we'll continue to pray about those things. Um, The two things I wanted to do today is, one, give a report on our mission trip, and then just to share my heart a little bit about Uh, international partnerships uh, and what God's been speaking to me some over the years. Um, As far as a report, uh, Brandon and I traveled to El Salvador the week before Thanksgiving, and we're going to put up a a picture. Brandon's a lot of fun to travel with. Uh, Pringles and coffee, that is uh, definitely uh, part of my love language, and um, we had a great time traveling together. 
Um, if you go to the next one, we met up with a couple other pastors. Uh, one is next to, well, both of them are next to me there. One is Andrew. Uh, he is from um, uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. And then uh, Mike next to him is from Southeast Missouri. And then the other three on the end are some members of Andrew's church that came to help with some of the children's and youth ministry uh, that we had at a pastor's conference. One of the ministries that we participated in this year is, as Brandon said, we went back to a, a place called San Vicente, and our, our mission team in August had been there and first met uh, Pastor David. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we did while we were there is we, we went back to, to the police department, but a different police department. Last time in August, we went to San Salvador, but this time we stayed in San Vicente. And we were able uh, to, to reach out and to meet with uh, many of the police officers from San Vicente. And this is an extension of the ministry of the church, First Baptist Church San Vicente, uh, as they've been reaching out to the uh, first responders there. And uh, David kind of felt a connection, with, Pastor David kind of felt a connection with me because I had experience as a police chaplain for several years. And so uh, we've been working together and just brought the message of Christ and a lot of encouragement uh, and to me, that ministry was much more strategic uh, than the one that we participated in in, uh, in August because this is coming beside a local church to help them reach out to a mission point that God has opened up opportunities for them to be able to share Christ and to share Christ's love uh, through the first responders there. And um, a, a second thing that we were able to do is uh, uh, Brandon and I were able to go not only to the San Vicente Church, but also to another church um, that we are considering partnering with in, in some mission endeavors. Um, one was the San Vicente Church. And so uh, we met with Pastor David uh, a little bit uh, about where he sees his church and, and the mission of his church. And he shared beyond uh, the police department, they have a, a neighborhood that they've targeted as needing ministry. And uh, also that their church is just struggling after COVID. Uh, the congregation is significantly smaller than it was before COVID. And uh, they're just asking us to come beside them as brothers and sisters in Christ to give an encouragement uh, there. Uh, the other church that we visited, uh, we're going to put, uh, oh, by the way, Brandon also got to preach when he preached on Sunday a week ago. Um, it was actually 32 years of, uh, of ministry celebration for Pastor David. And so uh, that was kind of a special time we got to share also. If you go to the next slide, uh, we went to uh, Los Planes again, and this is uh, a follow-up of where the mission team in August went. And uh, we met with their, uh, their pastor, uh, Alfredo, but um, the church is struggling to be able to have a pastor on the field right now, and so we, we talked about that some. Uh, we talked about their unique ministry, and I think we, we shared this with you before, but this church has a rather large um, facility, um, and they host about 150 Compassion International children uh, who, go, who, who go to school uh, at the church building, and most of those families are unchurched, and so the, the church kind of has an inroad to be able to minister to uh, the families of these Compassion International children, and so um, we got to, to visit them and, and talk a little bit about that church ministry. 
Um, I would like to ask that we would continue to pray as a church family about how God might want to use these connections as we, as we serve together. Um, the, the other major objective that we had was to host uh, a pastor's conference, uh, which uh, both Brandon and I were able to uh, speak at. And um, it's really interesting that these pastors often live in very small homes in rural places, and the church really does not have a, a vision um, for pastor enrichment or for continued education. Uh, many of these pastors, this was the first time they've been out of their field in quite some time, and um, it was really a joy. I know Brandon and I were talking about, man, just to see pastors and wives walking hand in hand uh, at the campground, uh, uh, gathering. Uh, this is uh, Brandon teaching. Why don't you go to the next one? Um, next one. Um, yeah, we, we got to see them uh, just interacting with one another, and I think I think that really touched Brandon. I think he's going to talk maybe about that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's the report uh, that we have and, and that we're still praying about some things. Um, and uh, when, when we went to San Vicente to talk to Pastor David, um, one of the things that I was interested in is, is trying to continue to pull out what's, what's his vision for the ministry there. And the way I approached it was kind of like this. Uh, you know, Pastor David, you know, we have different, uh, we have different languages, we have different uh, foods uh, that we eat, we have, we have uh, different cultures, um, you know, but what we have is we have the same Lord, uh, we have the same salvation, and we have the same mission. And how do you see that mission being lived out here? Um, you know, we really do share the same mission, and it was read uh, just a minute ago from Matthew chapter 28. And if you would, if you would put that, that up for us, please. Um, and and let's, just, let's just read it again. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, it's been quite some time ago as I was reading that ver those verses, and I thought, I think a lot of times churches kind of see the Great Commission as, as like an either-or kind of thing. And I think it's about three both-ands. And, and, and one of the both ands is it, it starts out with the authority of Jesus Christ, but it also ends with the, the promise of Jesus Christ to be with us. And it's both, why, why even be concerned about the mission of Jesus? Because he has all authority and because he promises to go with us as we go. It's both and. And then, and then there's this mission that he gives us. And, and, and part of the mission is to, well, at the very center of it is to go and make disciples. Uh, but we do it by baptizing them, uh, by bringing people into the kingdom, you know, sharing with them about Christ. And as they open their lives up and embracing faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But, but not just bringing them to Christ evangelistically, but then there's the discipleship. Teach them to observe everything he's commanded us. And Brandon's going to be talking some about that in just a minute. And then, and then the other both and that I see there is, is go and make disciples 
of all nations. And so, uh, you know, when, when it says go, that's just kind of like as you go, wherever you go, locally, uh, as you go, make disciples. But don't forget about the global uh, aspect of it, too. Go to all nations. And so it's both local and global. And, um, and, and so one of the things that I think beautifully describes the early church being concerned about both local and global is the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, and they had identified some as leaders and pastors and teachers in the church, but then the Holy Spirit put on their heart to pray about those that they might want to send out from their own fellowship, some of their own pastors, some of their own teachers, and as they sought the Holy Spirit in prayer and fasting, uh, God began to make it clear that, that, uh, that, that Barnabas and Saul, who we know as Paul, uh, would go out and, and be these representatives. And I know for me, I've never really sensed God's call or God's leadership to uh, um, full-time or long-term international missions. But one of the things that got burdened on my heart about 25 years ago is that we live in a special time in history and, and we can travel different places. And, and for me, as I grew up, I always thought of missions as supporting missionaries, those who had that call out there. And then it occurred to me that, man, I live in a day when, when I and in the church where I pastor, we, we can be missionaries and support missionaries. And so one day, about 25 years ago, I called up the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and I said, hey, I'm a pastor, and I, I get a week or two a year to be able to help strengthen another church, and so is there a missionary somewhere that I could come beside and, and support for a week or two? And they gave me some resources, and long story short, I ended up in India, of all places, and, and, and started to do a little bit of ministry there on a short-term basis with another group. And, and then it became clear to me that even though a few people had gone with me, it was very difficult to get to India and have the church actually be a missionary there because it took so long to travel. And, we, you know, it would take over two weeks of being gone for someone and a lot of money. And so I started praying about, God, is there, there any way I could go closer and, 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 and be the pastor of a church that could actually be a missionary someplace where they need a missionary? And and, and I tried to go to Mexico. Have you ever tried to do something for God? I, I met with some missionaries from Mexico. I thought, yeah, that's what we need to do. But the door would never open right, rightly. And so I was just praying about it. And one day I got a phone call from the Missouri Baptist Convention. And they said, Jim, would, would you lead your church to do some mission work in El Salvador? And it was like I immediately knew that's what I was supposed to do. And um, that was almost 20 years ago um, when that happened. And uh, again, I just want to thank you for being open to allowing me to continue to, with you, investigate ways that God might want to use some of those relationships. Um, at the pastor's conference this year, um, as, as we spoke to the pastors, I, I got the subject um, the consequences and solutions of pastoral stress. And um, I actually got to choose that subject. I thought, man, as long as I've been in ministry, I, I'm a pretty much of an expert at pastoral stress. Um, but uh, so, some of the things that um, I shared about 
Um, one was about Elijah and Jeremiah and Jonah. And all three of those prophets in the Old Testament that, that had great ministries, they all went through a time in their life when they prayed to God, God, would you just take me? They went through so much stress and disappointment in ministry that they said, God, it, death would be better than living like this. Would you just take me? And I tried to encourage those pastors to, to remember that, that part of ministry and part of life is dealing with the things that the Bible calls burdens, trials, anxieties, and pressures. Some of the solutions that I talked about was don't isolate yourself. Remember to keep your friendships and to build friendships. And, and we were trying to enhance that through the conference. Uh, there's a little verse in Proverbs 17, 17 that ends like this. It says, a friend was born for adversity. And one of the reasons why we need friends is so that we can get through life's adversities by pointing us to God, you know, to each other. Another thing I encourage the pastors is to not overextend because I went through a time of ministry where I got overextended. Uh, I tried to talk to them a little bit about uh, using your stress to identify life's idols. And um, I don't have time to unpack that one, but um, there, there were other things I shared. But, but, but one of the things I got to share about with those pastors was a little bit about living their theology and staying connected to Jesus Christ. Because it's easy to get into a rut of you're so busy serving God, you're forgetting to be that child of God. And, um, and so to live your theology in the sense of, in Psalms 100, it talks about praising the Lord with a new song. And then it says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. And he has made us, you see. And, and to know that God is, is the Lord, that he's sovereign and in control. And then it says, and know that God is good. And then it goes on to talk about how he's our shepherd and he's faithful. And sometimes we just got to live our theology. And if you're dealing with stress today, I think that's, that's a good word. Re remember and preach to yourself. God is the Lord. He's in control. And, and, he's, and he is good. And he's going to work things together for good eventually. And, 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 and we just need to trust in him because he will be faithful. He's God. He's good. And he's faithful. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm just going to close with one, what I thought was a nugget. At least it was a nugget for me uh, as I was teaching. And in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, there is a story about how the king of Syria is making war against Israel. And um, they, uh, they, uh, the Syrian army was big, the Israelite army was small, but the Israelite army was always ready for the Syrian army whenever they attacked. And the reason was because Elisha the prophet was praying and seeking God, and, and the Israelite army kept pushing him back and pushing him back. Well, the Syrian army figured out that it was because of the prophet, so he's going to incarcerate the prophet, and he goes to the city of Dothan, and he surrounds the city. And um, it, it says in the book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, 
uh, verse 15, that when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, rose early in the morning, uh, he went out and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And it says that he looked over the city wall and he saw like rank after rank of soldier and company after company of the, of the chariots. And so he comes down the wall and, 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 and he says to, to Elisha, he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And, and Elisha said, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who were with them. And I just think that's an odd statement because I, I imagine the, the servant going, okay, one, two. <laughs> there's two of us, and there's like a million of them. And, and then this beautiful verse, and you probably know it. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. One of the things when it comes to stress is it's easy to see the things of the world that are fearful and that are stressing us. And sometimes it's very hard to see the things of God. And I wanted to encourage those pastors, you know, to, you know, live your theology, remember who God is, and stay connected to Jesus Christ. Because we can so often be like that servant. We see those big barriers and obstacles that are in front of us and stressing us. Oh, how we need to be praying. Oh, God, open my eyes. And we need friends who will be praying. Oh, God, open their eyes that we might be able to see the things of God instead of just the things of this world. And that's my prayer for missions, too. Because it's easy to look out and see that there are needs everywhere. Okay? And, and I believe that as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we're praying, oh God, open our eyes and show us how we're to live as your people doing your bidding in specific ways. And that's my prayer for missions, too. Oh, God, open our eyes. And uh, so, Brandon, if, if you come. Let's go. Thanks, Jim. Uh, one of the highlights of this trip for me was getting to hang out with that guy for a week. Uh, I, I got to tell you, going on a mission trip with Jim is a good time. Uh, I, I, I bet that El Salvador is like your, your home away from home, uh, the, your, your happy place outside of your own home. Uh, he has such a heart for missions, and I, I think you guys got to see that as he was just up here talking, the way it comes out of him. Elise had a chance to go with the youth, and Jim did, uh, to St. Louis this summer, and, and Elise said to me, just wait. Watch him in his element. Uh, and I got to see it. Jim and I were just on the airplane, and I was on the window, and Jim was in the middle, and another guy was on the outside, and we were right by the window, or the, the, the engine, so I couldn't hear anything, but uh, Jim and the guy sitting next to him, just, uh, Jim was preparing his notes for the week, and he starts asking him, hey, what are you, what are you doing there? And so Jim had a natural segue into to sharing the gospel with the guy sitting next to him on the plane, on the way 
to El Salvador, and you just got to, I got to see him in action, and that was just an amazing uh, experience. Jim and I do not have the same spiritual gifts. We don't. We don't. And I, I love that about the kingdom of God and, and the body of Christ, is that we are different. And so it is good that we are not all hands, and that we are not all feet, and we are not all eyes, and we are not all noses. Because when you get to see the other person use their gifts, it is a good thing. And I just have Preston scrolling through some pictures in the background that I'll get to uh, in, in just a second. So uh, I, one thing that I enjoyed about uh, watching Jim this week or that week was uh, just, just seeing him learn how to, or watch him put himself out there uh, and enjoy the people. Somehow Jim is able to cross the, the language barrier uh, and let people know that he values them uh, even whenever they don't understand the words that he's saying. That is a true gift. Now, we just, we just had Thanksgiving, right? And at Thanksgiving, we, many of us go and experience time with extended family that we don't see very often. And so our time with extended family can be awkward, right? Am I crazy? Am I the only one who's ever experienced that? But what, what I love that Jim is able to do is lean into the awkward and just push on through until the connection is made. Guys, that is, that is a wonderful gift that we all need to learn. Do we experience awkward and hard things in our life? Should that be an obstacle to connection? No, no. Or you could just be alone forever, right? I mean, it's, relating to people is by definition awkward. So we have to push through those hard things in order to connect. And I loved watching him do that. That is a, a skill we should all learn uh, and, and develop. So go on a mission trip with Jim. Our hope and prayer is to have another opportunity to go to El Salvador in July. We're working those details out. Those dates are not set in any kind of stone. They're hazily written in pencil. Uh, so uh, just be prayerfully considering uh, as we go uh, and plan this, is the Lord calling me to take this kind of step? Is this opportunity something that I can do uh, and a place I can go. So this trip was a lot of fun for me. I just, just spent five minutes talking about how much I enjoyed going with Jim. Uh, let me talk about the, the trip. The concept of this trip was, was pretty special to me, um, not only as a pastor, but as a pastor's kid. Um, I think that, that that perspective of being a pastor's kid helped me see what, what we got to be a part of in a new light. So this mission trip between our church, uh, Andrew's church, and Mike's church, the three guys that, that um, uh, Jim pointed out to you, our three churches really got to help um, send uh, or set up this, this pastor's conference. So some 15 to 20 pastor's families got to uh, participate at, in this pastor's conference. My understanding, Jim, is that no expense to them. Is that correct? Okay, at no expense to them. Uh, so as you guys have contributed to Jefferson, and Jefferson helped pay for this trip, uh, I want you guys to understand that you helped take care of 15 to 20 pastors' families in El Salvador. So I just want you to see, like, you got to participate in this as well. Now, whenever I think about vacation, um, we take vacations here in the United States, just about all of us. We'll take one week 
a year, maybe two or three weeks, depending on your situation. But usually we can all find a way to take about a week off of work to do something. Maybe we stay home and do something fun locally. Maybe we go on a big trip. So when we think vacation, we think week. When we think vacation, we think every year. Well, in El Salvador, for these pastors, they make $200, $300 a month. They do not get to go on vacation very often. When they go on vacation, it is for a couple of days. And when they go on vacation, it's once every couple of years. So as a church, we got to help these pastors take a, a, a three-day weekend uh, for, for I don't know, maybe this is the first time they've gotten out of their, like, like Jim said, the first time they've gotten out of their ministry setting in quite some time. So this is a huge gift to them. I, I loved seeing them relax. Like Jim said, just seeing a pastor and his wife walk around, seeing their kids uh, play. They were playing soccer out in this field right here and uh, having a good time. Uh, where we went for this pastor's retreat was a, a lake area. Uh, and so you'll see pictures. This was the dining hall, um, and it, it, I don't know how to describe this. Jim, I want to be sweet and kind. Uh, I, I called it a third world KOA campground uh, in a beautiful, beautiful setting. So this is uh, one of the pictures of the lake uh, that I'm sure there's several that are there. Uh, it's an old volcano crater that is now a lake, and all week long, from my time in Israel earlier this year, I was saying this lake had to have been the same size as the Sea of Galilee, maybe bigger. And no, it's not. Jim and I looked it up on the way home. It's about half the size of the Sea of Galilee. But still, it was a big lake. It was a lot of fun uh, uh, to do that. And I enjoyed this, this opportunity to watch these guys kick back and relax. So uh, my part was to speak. So that's me and my translator, Maria, right there. Uh, she was wonderful. Um, was to speak at the conference, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but also, Jim and I had a chance to participate in some pastoral roundtables. And that was one of the highlights of uh, the retreat for me. Um, it was rather obvious uh, in hindsight and fairly predictable, uh, but these guys face many of the exact same struggles that pastors in the States face. Uh, they struggle with knowing how to balance their, their ministry with engaging with their family. They struggle with exhaustion, and they struggle with stress. This is, that previous picture was a picture of that round table discussion. The round tables were in plastic chairs with no tables, um, but it was a chance for us to talk. They, these pastors, they, they struggle with how to provide for their families. And I was just thinking that I, I have literally had these same conversations with pastors here in the United States, dealing with the same things. And that helped me think about the New Testament and the letters of Paul and the other letters at the end of the New Testament. Uh, there's truly nothing new under the sun. The first century church, just think about that. Look, throw, throw yourself back to the first century church, the time of Acts and the time of Paul. The first century church uh, was in a different land. They were speaking a different language. They were in a different culture and in a different time. Yet, the problems that they faced in the New Testament church are the same problems that we're facing today. And as we face these problems in our church today, you look back at the Bible, and, and there was this part of me, I swear, it's so stupid sometimes. You think, oh, well, you know, 
in my world, in my context, we just relate to the Bible differently than other people do. And then you go there and you experience them in their world, in their context, and you know what? It's the same thing. They deal with the same stuff, the same problems. And what that just told me is, is the Bible, though it's a book that was written over uh, thousands of years, written thousands of years ago, uh, it, the experiences of human beings are not that unique. They're not that unique. And so the truth that God revealed in his word, even though it was written so long ago, is just as relevant today as it was then. And the Bible, as the word of God, transcends culture and can hit these people where they are just as much as it hits us where we are. Our God is the same. And the, the, our faith in Christ unites us beyond language barriers and beyond cultural barriers. And so I, I just want to challenge you all. The idea of going on a short-term international trip uh, should, should not be that overwhelming because the gospel is the gospel, the good news here and there. They, they need it as much as we need it. And it's good for them just like it's good for us. So the other thing about the, the, the conference that I really enjoyed uh, was this opportunity to, to teach uh, on my particular topic, which was uh, the de decentralization of pastoral activities. Brandon, could you come and, and teach us about the decentralization of pastoral activities? Uh, what does that mean? Well, what it means is a lot of times in a lot of church cultures, the, 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 um, the church is viewed as like the thing the pastor does. And so everything runs through the pastor. It becomes kind of a one-man show. And so how do we decentralize, take out of the middle where it's just one pastor, how do we decentralize the ministry of the pastor. Now here's what I want to tell you all. I believe the centralization of pastoral activities is a sin. And I believe it is the failure of the pastor and the church. So if the, the ministry of the church is centered on one guy, the church is in trouble. So we don't have to say, how do we decentralize pastoral activities? We simply have to look at Scripture and say, how, how did Jesus do it? How, how did the early church function? And what we'll see is the ministry of the church was never supposed to be centralized. So Jim said, I'd come back to it in a minute, uh, the, the Great Commission. If you look at the end of the Great Commission, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded them. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded them. Part of the Great Commission of the church is, is for those who have received the teaching of Jesus to teach others, all, teaching them to obey all that uh, Christ has commanded. Let's look at, at three of those uh, words from the last part of that. So commanded. Uh, obey or observe, depending on your translation, and teach. Okay, let's uh, begin with the word commanded. Um, it's, it's not exactly a tricky word in, in Greek. It, it just means uh, to order to do a task to its completion. 
to order to do a task to its completion. So when Jesus says uh, commanded or command here, he just means these things that Jesus commanded is, are the things that he's instructed us all to do. Okay, teaching them to obey the things that he's taught uh, them to do. So if we're going to make this simple, uh, we can just call these the ways of Jesus. So part of our job of fulfilling the great commi commi uh, commission is to teach others to obey or observe the ways of Jesus. Now, it's important for us to understand that this is not an option. They are instructions given with the expectation that we accomplish them. In other words, we're supposed to actually live thing, live, live out the ways of Jesus. That, that's what he's called us to do. And it's our job to then teach to obey. So we can look at that next part pretty easily. So commands are given with the expectation that they are obeyed. So what Jesus says to do, what are we supposed to do, church? Do, right? So what he says to do, we're supposed to do. Obeying means taking out of the head, right? So the teach part is put in the head, right? Teach part, put in the head. The obey part or observe is to live out and do. So Jesus showed us the way. He gave us the ways of Jesus. Now we are to live out and do what Jesus did, all right? So then there's the word teach. So part of the Great Commission is to teach others the ways of Jesus, and not just so that they know it in their head, but so that they are equipped to live it out in their daily life. So at this point, uh, we, were, we, we were taught how to obey Jesus from those who went before us. Now it's our job to teach those who come after us. So how do I know how to follow Jesus? Because somebody taught me. And how did they know how to follow Jesus? Because somebody taught them. So what is our job? Our job is to observe or obey the ways of Jesus and to teach others how to do that. Now, is that a one-man job? Is that just my job as pastor? Okay, so does that it means it includes Clark and Jim, right, and Josh. No, no it, it's bigger than that, right? This is everyone's job. This is everyone's job. The Great Commission is everyone's job. So our job as the body of Christ is to decentralize pastoral activities. We are all, we are all little pastors. We are all little ministers. Uh, I want to read for you guys Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that were its pastors, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Why did the Lord give the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers? Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. According to Ephesians chapter 4, whose job is it to accomplish the ministry of the church? The saints. And who's the saints? All y'all, all us, right? So whose job is the ministry of the church? Is it the pastors? It is not the pastors. So one of the things that I tried to do as I taught these, these pastors is to remind them, to remind them that it's not their job to do everything. It's their job to give away the ministry. 
And this got me really excited because this is kind of my heartbeat in ministry. If you want to know my philosophy of ministry, it's this right here. Give away authority. Give people an opportunity. Get other people to do the work. It can't just be the pastoral staff. It can't even just be the pastoral staff and the elders. Who should be doing the ministry of the church? The church should be doing the ministry of the church. Why were all of these uh, offices of the church given? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints. So what's my job? To teach, to observe all that he's commanded. So that the church can teach to observe all that he's commanded. So that the church can go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what we have been called to do. Now, if we look at just Jesus' example, what did we do? If we think back to Luke, man, like we've been in Luke for the last year or two. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 is Jesus sending out the, the 12. And as Jesus sends out the 12, he says this, and he called the 12 together, and what did Jesus do? Oh, this is so important. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. What did Jesus do? He took the authority, he took what he had been given, and he gave it away. Why? So that those he was discipling would do the ministry. Did Jesus do the ministry? Yeah, Jesus did the ministry. But did he only do the ministry? No, Jesus decentralized pastoral activities. That was his example. That's what he did. That is the model of the church. Now, this isn't even just a one-time thing. Later in Luke, in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says this. This is Jesus sending out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who are the laborers? Is it pastors? It is pastors. Is it just pastors? No. It's the saints. These are followers of Jesus. Those are the laborers. So who should be sent out? When we start praying, Lord, send out laborers into the harvest, which we're told to pray for, who should we, who are we really praying for? We're praying for ourselves. Lord, how do you want to send me out? Lord, how do you want to use me? I don't think that we have to... Uh, uh, go uh, live in, you know, some other country and be a, a full-time missionary? Some people might. I do think that maybe the Lord might be calling you to a short-term trip. What an amazing opportunity to, to stretch yourself, to push yourself, to see the world from another perspective. It's a great opportunity. But no matter what, if we're praying for the Lord to prepare more laborers, he's calling you to be a uh, uh, the, the, to do the ministry of the church wherever you are. Wherever you are, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there the church is. There's your opportunity to impact the world for the kingdom as God places you and uses you to accomplish his work. What I love about this 
this concept here is, is we often think about this, is there, is there some kind of unique calling to be a, a pastor or to, to work vocationally as, at the church? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And we could go through the qualifications of what it means to be an elder or a pastor. These things are real and these things exist. However, here's the point that I want to make. None of them are exclusive to pastors. These are all things that we've all been called to. It's just that pastors have to be them. We've all been called to it. It's just that pastors have to. So it's not a particularly unique. It's general to all, but pastors don't get the slack, right? But we've all been called to this. This is all of our responsibility. And I loved the opportunity to go to, uh, I almost said Suriname. (laughs) That was many years ago. To go to El Salvador to talk to these pastors and give them the freedom to see you don't have to do it all. Now, as I was thinking about this, you guys have been such a blessing to me. Uh, When I sit down and talk with my pastor friends, I just kind of grin and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because you guys are in the trenches. You guys do the work. You guys participate. I do not feel alone in ministry. So many pastors I talk to feel alone in ministry. They feel isolated, and I do not. And so I thank you for your hearts that want to serve, to serve each other, to, 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 to engage. That is a good thing. What I want to encourage you with is that's the way it's supposed to be, so don't stop. Now, we're going we're gonna to get tired, right? One of the things that is a universal experience in ministry is that we get tired. We get to rest for eternity. We get to rest for eternity. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be tired. Now, take care of yourself. Take your breaks when you need to. The Lord gave us the seventh day to rest. Is rest important? Rest is essential. But it's okay to be tired in between. Work hard, rest hard, right? Work hard, rest hard. And that's what I got to see for these pastors. Man, they've been working hard. And we got to see them rest hard. And I just want to say thank you to you guys for your giving, helping make a difference in providing these guys uh, an opportunity to rest. Um, I got so far off my notes, my conclusion no longer fits. <laughs> Here's, here's what I want to challenge you guys with. What is the Lord, uh, what's the Lord doing in your life? How might he be calling you to participate in our next short-term international trip? Maybe he's saying, hey, uh, you know, we have a, a mission trip uh, fund that the church budget funds, but maybe you want to participate in uh, some of the uh, ancillary uh, expenses. Like when we go to El Salvador, our host uh, there is... is uh, um, Jim's friend Ugo, and we help, he has to take a week off work, so we, we help supplement uh, Ugo's uh, income while he takes that week off. So maybe you think, hey, how can I help uh, uh, sponsor Ugo while, while our team's there? That would be something to consider. Maybe uh, this time we had some cost for the, the ministry that we did there, like we've done medical, um, medical clinics in the past because Ugo and his wife are doctors, um, we, this time we did the, the pastoral uh, conference. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I can help give money to whatever ministry emphasis we do. Or maybe you just want to help sponsor somebody go. So I, if you can't go, maybe that's how the Lord's stirring in your heart. 
Or if you want to go, just be praying, Lord, what trip do you want me to go on? How can I say yes to getting involved in what the Lord is doing uh, across the globe? I don't know. I don't know how the Lord may be working in your heart. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I have been, uh, I've not been engaged in the ministry of the gospel well here at Jefferson. How does the Lord want to use me? How can I be more active uh, serving here at Jefferson and in the community at large? Maybe you're thinking, it's time for me to start engaging my neighbors or my coworkers with the gospel. However the Lord may be working in your life, I hope that as you heard Jim talk and, and me talk a little bit about being on mission, that you guys get excited about, man, I, this is not somebody else's job. This is my job too. How can I be a part of it now, and how may I be a part of it in the future? So I'm going to pray, and the praise team's going to come, and we're going to close in singing. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to, uh, to, to go and uh, live in a time where we can go visit another country for a week and fly right back in a day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for relationships that uh, extend beyond uh, the borders of the United States. Lord, I pray that uh, as a church here at Jefferson Avenue, that we would be a church that uh, thinks beyond ourselves, that our hearts would extend beyond our moment, that we would um, not see ministry as somebody else's job, but see it as our responsibility. Lord, I pray that um, you would just help us to have a heart for the nations, a heart for the lost here at home as well. Lord, I pray that you would begin to, to put names and images on our hearts uh, for those that, that are in our reach that we could begin to share the hope of Christ with. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we uh, end this, this time of, uh, of encouragement, um, that we would praise your name uh, with, with great joy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing these last two songs, I just wanted to, to remind you all that the altar is open. Uh, if there's something that's on your heart that you want to lay down before the Lord, uh, you can do that here. If you just want to sit in your pew and, and praise his name as we sing, uh, you are more than welcome to do that as well. Let's sing.